Well, where, where did it all begin? Where, where did it all start? You know, picture the biggest oak tree you've ever seen in your life, okay? When you get a picture of that, raise your hand. Picture the biggest oak tree you've ever seen in your life. Okay, where did that begin? It began from a little, a little acorn, just one little acorn. 25 years later, and there's this massive oak tree. It started so small. How many of you have driven through the Midwest and you've seen those acres and acres of cornfields? Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky. And you just, you just look at these massive acres. Well, last year was a different year. It was a drought. But usually, just beautiful cornfields. And you know it all began with just a little bit of seed. I think about how Abraham Lincoln, with just 26 letters on the back of an envelope, wrote the Gettysburg Address. He takes 26 letters and he makes this incredible piece of historic literature that we still marvel at. How many musical notes did Bach and Beethoven use? How, how in the world do you take a few musical notes and you write the hallelujah chorus? Oh my goodness. And when you think about where did it all begin, how did it all get started? It's an amazing story in Genesis chapter 1. I mean, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 tells us this. I want you to look at this. In the beginning, God. I mean, if you can accept the first verse of the Bible, all the other verses just kind of fall into place, really. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so today, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about day one, but day one, God created what? He said, let there be light. And day two, God created sky and water. And day three, God creates land and vegetation. And day four, God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And day five, God creates the birds. And and day day six, he does animals, and he does man, and he, he does woman. We're not going to spend a lot of time today talking about that because you can read that, and you can get that, and you, you can understand that. But what I want to talk about today is where did it all begin, and why did it begin this way, and how in the world did God do this? Well, I want to teach you another Hebrew word this morning. Last week, I taught you the Hebrew word Jehovah Sabbath. And Jehovah Sabbath means God will fight for you. He is the commander of the Lord's armies. So just say Jehovah Sabbath. Jehovah Sabbath. Now, we talked about giants last week. Do you remember that? And Jehovah Sabbath is someone who, anybody remember that last week? Nobody raised their hand. Okay, good. good. At least 10 of you remember last week's sermon. Good. Um, Jehovah Sabbath, is, he, he will fight for you. Say it again. Jehovah Sabbath. Jehovah Sabbath, he will fight for you. Now today, I want to teach you this Hebrew word, Elohim. And this word Elohim is this word that is used over 2,000 times in the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, this word Elohim means creator. And so, so often in the Bible, we look at the little, you know, G-O-D or L-O-R-D, and we don't realize that there's a Hebrew word that goes along with this. And so God... It says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And on day one, Elohim created the light. And on day two, Elohim creates. And day three, Elohim creates. And that's the little Hebrew word I want to teach you this morning. Say Elohim. Elohim. Say Elohim. Elohim. What does it mean? It means creator. And so he is a God who loves to create. So what did he create? 
Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it talks about how he creates you and me. Now, we could spend all day talking about how God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, we could spend a week of Sundays talking about the solar systems, the planets, the amazing things that God has created. I, I want, that'd be a great sermon. That'd be a great sermon series. I want to talk today, though, about the human body. I want to talk about how Elohim created you and Elohim created me. And so it says, God said, let us, well, who's the us? Right off the bat, we see the plurality of the Trinity. And in the early chapters of the book of Genesis, we recognize that there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's a plurality of the Godhead. One God, but three gods. He says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now just stop right there. Have you ever thought about the fact that you and I are created in the very image of God? We are created in his very likeness. Let us make man, how, what? in our image, in our likeness. And then they will rule over the fish in the sea. I caught about 15 fish yesterday. And over the birds of the air, that was free, just free information. And over the livestock and over the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Look at verse 27. And so God did this. God created mankind in his own image. I just want you to stop and think about this for a second. This is really big. The reason and how you were created, you and I were created in his likeness. We were created in the very image of God. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And so every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, we are all created in his image and we are created in his likeness. And so let's just kind of go back and just kind of review how this all happens. I mean, except for Adam and except for Eve and except for Jesus, we were all pretty much made the same way, right? I mean, we got one cell from mom and we got one cell from dad and these cells like get together. And by the way, you need to really praise your dad because he beat out 300 million other cells, okay? He was swimming a long ways and he made it. So your dad is like a hero in this whole story. So one cell, do you get that? One cell from mom, I'm not going to explain it to you. One cell from dad, okay, and they get together and 23 pairs of chromosomes get together and it begins to form your DNA. And on day three, you're three days old. Here's what you look like on day three. On day three, you got about six cells going on. Now, if we took the, the top of a, like a safety pin, we could put all six of those cells on top of that safety pin, and, and, and those safety pin and those cells would be about the same size. This is you at day three. Pretty cool, isn't it? Here's five months. Look at you at five months. Man, those were the good old days, weren't they? <laughs> just kind of hanging out in the amniotic fluid, you know, just treading a little water, and, and, and those were some amazing days. But here's what happens. A lot of things happen, but at five months, you got one million optic nerves leaving your brain, and you got another one million optic nerves leaving your eyeballs. And at five months, one million from your brain, one million from your optic nerves, they got to find their exact partners at the exact time. 
That alone should just blow your mind. One million from the optic nerve brain, one million from your eyeballs, they got to meet exactly at the same time for there to be sight. And then at six months, kind of like a little razor blade comes out and just kind of cuts that little thick layer of skin that's over your eyes. And at six months, you have eyelids. It's amazing. Here's you at nine months. At nine months, you go from six cells to now 75 trillion cells. You have 75 trillion cells. And every three seconds, 50,000 of your cells die. And every three seconds, 50,000 of your cells regenerate themselves. No wonder we're so tired all the time. You know what? It's amazing. This thing called the human body. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on day six, he makes man and he makes woman. And in the image of God, he creates them. It's absolutely amazing what God does for us. And so it's no wonder that the psalmist in Psalm 139 talks about how we were fearfully and wonderfully made. It's no wonder the psalmist talks about how we were knit together in our mother's womb, carefully and carefully crafted. Well, I just want to show you some other things that happened to, this, to the body and just to look at some of these other systems, if you would, with me. I want to show you the skeletal system. You come out with this amazing skeleton, and you have about 206 bones. Every one of us has about 206 there's an amazing muscular system then. I, I think this is absolutely fascinating. And this muscular system contains right at about 640 muscles. And some of them are better than others, and some of them are stronger than others. Then you've got this nervous system. And this nervous system is absolutely amazing. You've got a brain. You've got a spinal cord. You got all these different millions of nerves in your body that work on a regular basis. Now, I, I just want you to pause and just think for just a second. Because, you know, I, I, I do believe in the Big Bang Theory. I believe God spoke and there was a Big Bang that went on, okay? I absolutely do. But you cannot imagine that we just kind of evolved from nothing. I mean, where in the world did those first elements even begin? The hydrogen and the carbon and the oxygen. Nobody can explain that. You see, God creates out of nothing. Out of nothing, God speaks, and there's all these different amazing things. And so this thing called the human body, we're not to worship the human body, but when you stop and you think about how the human body was created and formed and fashioned, we're a miracle, Every single one of us are absolutely fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, we go to this nervous system with, you know, it's just got the brain and just all kind of cool things to the cardiovascular system. And um, I understand that we have enough arteries and veins in our bodies that go about 90,000 miles apiece. That's a lot of arteries and that's a lot of veins, isn't it? And this amazing cardiovascular system, it is delivering oxygen and nutrients to all 75 trillion cells in your body. And it's also taking away some of the bad stuff that doesn't work well. You've got an amazing cardiovascular system. You have a respiratory system. And this respiratory system is removing bad toxins and giving oxygen to the body. 
and just how this respiratory system breathes life and oxygen into your, your very being. You've got a digestive system. And I, this is really cool. And by the way, the production team want to know why I didn't have pictures of the reproductive system. We're going to leave those alone today. We're going to, we're not going to talk about the reproductive system. But this, this digestive system, all the parts and pieces of this, I mean, you've got a mouth, you've got teeth, you've got trachea, you've got an esophagus, you've got a liver, you, you've got a pancreas, you've got small intestines, you've got large intestines. I mean, I know this isn't a biology class today, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Just this system in and of itself, how it functions and how it works, you are a miracle from the amazing gift of God. This is why back in the 5th century, Augustine wrote this, and I want you to see this quote. This was written now a long time ago. And Augustine said, I mean, this is before microscopes. This is before we can analyze the cell and the atom. Listen to what Augustine wrote. He said, men go abroad to wonder at the height of mountains, the huge waves of the sea, the long courses of rivers, the vast compass of the oceans, and the circular motion of the stars, but they pass by themselves, and they don't even seem to notice. And so here's what I want to do this morning. My, my attempt this morning is to right-size you. Now, I've never heard anybody talk about it that way before. And after today, there may be a really good reason why nobody talks about it that way. But I, I think one of your landmines is you don't know what size you are. And so this morning, I want to try for a few minutes to right-size you and to right-size me. And so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we begin to think about like how big the universe is. And we've got this little subdivision called the Milky Way Galaxy. And we're not even the biggest planet in our subdivision. We're not even the biggest dog on our cul-de-sac. We, we are in this world. And so this Hubble telescope begins to show us how many galaxies and how many worlds there are out there. And God's going, will you build a bigger telescope? I want to show off. I want to show you what I've created. Will you hurry up and invent this? What, what size are we? See, one of the landmines that we have is that we begin to think that we're really, really big. As you read the Bible, as you read these stories in the Bible, I used to think that these were like amazing people in the Bible. And the reason these people were in the Bible was to show how great these people really are. And I read through and I would read about Adam and Eve and I would read about Abraham and I would read about Joseph and I would read about Moses. And I'd walk away, I would think, wow, isn't the Bible great? Because the Bible tells all these wonderful stories about these wonderful people and I didn't get it. The Bible's not about Adam and Eve. The Bible's not about Abraham. The Bible's not about Joseph. The Bible's not about Moses. The Bible's about God. It's the story of God. And God chooses to reveal himself and reveal his story through all these people. And so you see that it's not about Adam and Eve. It was about God wanting to do life with a man and with a woman. He created them in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. I would read about Abraham. And I would think about how great Abraham is. And so God must just really like Abraham. It's not about Abraham. 
the story is about how God wants to have a nation. And he will have 12 tribes and these 12 amazing tribes. And so God is going to work through Abraham. It's not about Abraham. The story is about God creating a nation. And I would read the story of Joseph. And I would think, this is an amazing story of Joseph. You know, the coat of many colors and the, 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 the unrighteous brothers, and they throw him into a well, and, and, you know, Potiphar's wife, and then he gets to be the ruler of Egypt. What a great story. That's not what the story of the Bible's about. The story's about how God now is going to get Joseph in the right position so he can feed all his 12 tribes to keep the 12 tribes alive. It's not about Moses. It's about how God wants to deliver his people. Here's the point. As you and I read the Bible this year, as we read through these amazing stories, it's not about them, just like it's not about you. What size are you? What size am I? You see, one of the landmines that you and I have is we're not really sure what size we are. We're not really sure how we fit into all this. Because when we look at the universe and we see how really big the universe is, we feel really, really small. And so what size? How do we right-size ourselves today and tomorrow? And so some of us were raised in homes where we were the center of the universe. We were raised in homes where everything was kind of about us. And that we just felt really, really big and we felt really, really important. And one of the worst things you can do to your kids is to make your kid the center of the universe. It's one of the worst things you can do to your home is not to have a, you you need to have a marriage-centered home. And so one of the landmines then is people go through life feeling like life is about them. And so maybe you were raised in a home where everything was about you and your parents just, it was you, 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 you. And so still today, still today, you struggle with what size you are and maybe this is all about you. Or maybe in your home, it wasn't about you at all. Nothing was about you. And so you felt so bad and so still today, because nothing was about you, you're trying to always fill that incredible hole in your heart because you're not sure what size you are. And this is what people do on both ends of the spectrum. If they were raised in homes where it was all about them or they were raised in homes where it was nothing about them, they try to fill that hole in their heart. And that's why people try to fill it with more toys and more degrees and better jobs and you know, better husband or better wife and more stuff. And, and, and that, that's just what, so what size am I? Well, if you look at the universe and you look at the stories of the Bible, it's really not about you. You are really, really small, and you have a really, really short period of time to make a difference. And you look at the stories of the scriptures, it wasn't about Adam, it wasn't about Eve, it wasn't about Abraham, it wasn't about Joseph, it wasn't about Moses. It was all about God and how God was choosing to reveal himself to his people. And so on the one hand, you are really, really small, even though you may think you're really, really big, okay? But on the other hand, how small am I? And the other landmine then that we have is we go around with shame. And we're always worried. We're always filled with anxiety and, oh, poor pitiful me. And I've made all these mistakes. That's why Christ came. Christ came to set you free. Christ came to make you a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. 
And so in this story of creation, I think it's a story for me on where do I fit and what size am I in this world? And so some of you, you may err over here that it's all about you and you want things to be for you, about you. Or you may err over here, nothing is for you and poor pitiful me and life's just not really fair. And so how do we find our size and how do we find our place? Well, again, we find it through scripture. We find it through God. And we find it through the life of Christ. I'm not going to give you 20 points today or five applications and seven different things for you to do. I want to give you a concept this morning, a philosophical, biblical concept that I hope will change your life forever. See, when you look at the life of Jesus, he knew what size he was. He knew he left heaven, came to earth, but all the time Jesus was trying to do the will of the Father, the will of the Father. What do you want me to do, Father? Where do you want me to go, Father? Who do you want me to bless, Father? Where do you want me to preach, Father? What do you want me to do, Father? Jesus lived his life for the Father. And really the only way that you and I can find our size is to do exactly what Jesus did, which is a life of surrender, And when you live a life of surrender and you surrender your life and your heart and your money and your talent and your time, everything begins to fall into place. And so how do you find your size? You do what Jesus did. You love. You care. You pray. You give. You share. You you serve. A life of surrender is the way that you find your size and your place on this earth. You see, you and I were created in the image of God. And when we're doing all those things that Jesus did, that's when we look like God. Now, we're not God. We'll never be God. We're not going to be a God. But when you and I do the very things that Jesus did, we are like the image of God. When we're merciful, when we're caring, when we're graceful, when we're sharing, when we're praying, when we're honoring, when we're serving, we are in the image of God. And you were fearfully, and you were just so wonderfully made. And so here's the question. Here's that watershed issue. Here's that philosophical thing that you have to figure out. You see, you have to figure out this last blank. Who are you going to make famous? And that's something that every one of us has to kind of work through because you're going to make somebody famous with your life. You're going to strive to make you famous or you're going to strive to make your kids famous Are you going to strive to make your wife or your husband famous? Are you going to strive to make your church famous? But every man, every woman in this room has got to figure out with your life, who am I going to make famous? I'm creating the image of God. I'm not all that big, but I'm really, really valuable. I'm I'm not that big at all, but my goodness, my walk is secure and my walk is humble. And I have great value in the eyes of my heavenly father. It was about 10 years ago when this thought hit me. 
And I didn't hear God speak audibly. I didn't have an audible voice to God, but God was speaking inside of my spirit. And I heard God say to me, who are you going to make famous? Are you going to make yourself famous? Are you going to try to make your church famous? Who are you going to make famous with your life? And that was one of those watershed issues for me. And I hope it's a watershed issue for you today. What size am I? Well, I'm not all that big, but I am really important. I was knit together in my mother's womb. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I was created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created me, male or or female. So I want to leave you with the challenge today. For the rest of your life, who will you make famous? Who will you honor? Can you see yourself in the grand scheme of all this? That we're not all that big. But my goodness, we have a little bit of time and a little bit of money and a little bit of talent to leverage things for the kingdom of God. So I want us to sing about him right now. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you will make him incredibly famous.